0: This episode of Meetin 3 is brought to you by the Michigan Cherry Committee. Learn about the wonderfully tart Montmorency
1: cherry at ChooseCherries.com. We are always trying to figure out how to say as much as we can in the most beautiful way we can on this little tiny five-ounce pouch. You know, because if you are on a grocery store shelf and you want people to stop and look at your product and then take the next step and flip it over and read about it and then take the next step and buy it, you have to do a lot of hard work on that pouch so that, you know, it it speaks to people.
2: By now, our pantries might be looking a little light as boycotts continue against some of the big box brands whose racist names and logos were once considered kitchen essentials. Some of these brands, like Aunt Jemima Syrup and the rice maker Uncle Ben's, have promised to phase out their logos and names after they experienced backlash on social media. This week, we explore how some companies are navigating the changing landscape of advertising as consumers are more attuned to branding than ever before. We hear from the woman who started the boycott against Trader Joe's. We see how one CEO's comments in support of President Trump have turned a loyal consumer base against his product. We'll also explore a sinister side of branding. I'm Katie Mosman-Wadler, and this is Meat and Three.
3: Meat and Three. Meat
4: and Three. Meat and Three. One meat, three sides.
5: Food, news, and storytelling.
4: A square meal for your
2: ears. Meat and three. Three. Here's Bryce Baiecki with the story of one CEO whose comments forced some communities and organizations to cut ties with a famous food brand.
3: The food industry has been rocked by a long line of boycotts centered around racist and tone-deaf imagery and branding this year. The latest of these debates began in the White House Rose Garden when Goya's CEO, Robert Unanwe, spoke alongside President Donald Trump.
6: We're all truly blessed
0: at the same time to have a leader like President Trump who was a builder. And that's what my grandfather did. He came to this country to build, to grow, to prosper. And so we have an incredible builder and we pray. We pray for our leadership, our president, and we pray for our country that we will continue to prosper. And,
3: and to grow. Goya is one of the largest food brands in the U.S. and was often considered synonymous with Latin American and Hispanic cooking. But now, many consumers are boycotting Goya and expressing the boycott on Twitter with the hashtag GoyaWay. Some organizations have even terminated their partnerships with the food brand, viewing Unanwe's praise of President Trump as ignoring or even supporting his racist rhetoric toward communities of color. Kat Tavares is the program manager at the Food Education Fund in New York City, which operates several high schools that specialize in teaching the culinary arts and hospitality services. Tavares was involved in the decision-making process that led the fund to ultimately cut ties with Goya following Unanwe's comments.
4: To receive a comment that goes against what a lot of our students' families come from, you know, immigrant backgrounds, uh, a lot of... Poverty, no resources, no money, no, you know, absolutely nothing. Um, So I think that just that conversation doesn't stand at all for what we do as a nonprofit. You know, we want to make sure that we're helping um, the students we work with.
3: When news of Unanwe's White House press conference reached the Food Education Fund, staff members turned to those who benefited most from the partnership their students.
4: I, I had some private conversations with some of our older kids and asking them, how would they have handled the situation in terms of if they were the nonprofit, what would their next move be? And um, some of our students surprisingly actually asked us to hold back from ending the partnership in saying people make mistakes. People say things under pressure. Sometimes people get carried away when they are in uh, the presence of someone uh, with high authority and they just say certain things. So the kids wanted um, us to give an opportunity for some sort of response from Goya. So we decided to, to do the open letter. That's That's what we decided to do.
3: The open letter called on Goya to reaffirm their commitment to the equitable treatment of and the empowerment of marginalized communities. But when the letter was met with silence, the board voted to terminate the partnership.
4: So our kids were definitely very disappointed that not so much of the content of what was said, but that nobody was apologetic about it, nobody wanted to take anything back.
3: Tavares said that the food brand recently provided $10,000 in scholarships for culinary competitions and funded events where students could work with Goya's executive chef to create recipes.
4: Everybody has some Goya product in their pantry. So... Obviously, um, the biggest kind of loss from all of this is the students really working with a brand that they're very comfortable with, that they're very familiar with.
3: While the Food Education Fund will lose funding without Goya, Tavares is optimistic that the fund will gain new partners and make the most of their existing connections.
4: The Goya partnership definitely opens some doors for us because, again, their network and their resources is very, very vast. And we can't just delete the year and change that we had with them as our partner, and we cannot just take back the things that we achieved and the things that we did together.
3: To learn more about the Food Education Fund and the schools they represent, visit foodfinancehs.org.
2: In our next story, Emily Kunkel looks at a more sinister side of food branding. Specifically, co-opting social justice issues for marketing purposes. In
7: 1998, YoPlay launched its Save Lids to Save Lives campaign. In short, the company pledged to donate 10 cents for every yogurt lid mailed in. Four years later, the activism and education group Breast Cancer Action, or BCA, launched a counter-campaign, Think Before You Pink. While Yoplait's label depicted the classic pink ribbon, the yogurt inside was made with RBST, an artificial growth hormone. RBST has been banned in over 30 countries due to animal welfare concerns. Questions still remain about its effects on human health. Further, the 10 cents pledged was less than the cost of the stamp needed to mail in the lid. While Yoplait benefited off an image of social responsibility, What did cancer research have to gain if consumers were spending more on a stamp than the final donation? Who was this marketing really helping? This is pinkwashing. BCA originally coined the term to refer to marketing hypocrisies where breast cancer awareness is used as a selling tool for products linked with increased risk of disease. Similar terms have popped up to denote the same type of advertising as they relate to other social causes greenwashing for environmental justice, purple for women's rights. The term pinkwashing has even been extended to include LGBTQ rights. As a company, the ultimate aim is to appear progressive and tolerant. The brand wants to be associated with certain values. As a customer, you want to support those values. But what's really gained by buying yogurt with a pink ribbon on the lid? These symbols aren't copyrighted, and thus their use simply signals support and not necessarily financial follow-through. While 2020 has been a year of social upheaval, with many companies claiming to put their money where their mouth is, the jury is still out as to whether these one-time, big-buck donations will lead to sustained policy reform or financial commitments. Over the past few years, Starbucks has received backlash over disingenuous social justice statements. Following companies such as Coca-Cola and Wendy's, the company tweeted its support of black communities. However, the tweet did not reference Black Lives Matter, which is to say, sometimes the absence of certain words is more showing than the presence of others. Just one week later, the company came under fire for banning employees from wearing Black Lives Matter insignia while on the job. This sparked the hashtag, #BoycottStarbucks. Starbucks. This hashtag was first used in 2018 when two black men were arrested in a Philadelphia branch simply for not buying anything. Starbucks' response was to conduct racial bias training for all 175,000 employees. With these incidences just two years apart, one begins to question how genuine the company's commitment to racial equity really is. On the other hand, the food industry is also home to one of the most striking examples of corporate responsibility. Grayston Bakery, the bakery behind the brownies found in Ben & Jerry's Ice Cream, has pioneered the practice of open hiring since 1987. 75% of positions are hired without resumes, interviews, or background checks. Just add your name to the job waitlist, and granted you can physically and legally work, you'll be offered a job as soon as one becomes available. This eliminates many of the barriers for chronically unemployed populations, including formerly incarcerated people. Grayston does advertise their open hire practice, but the key difference between them and Starbucks is the action behind the advertisement. While Grayston's marketing displays a 30-year practice that builds Black Lives Matter into its policies, Starbucks' tweets are a reaction to its own failures. It is their very lack of proactive structural change that makes this form of promotion feel so disingenuous. Consumers now more than ever are demanding a certain level of morality with their meal, and pinkwashing is not on the menu. For more information on the Think Before You Pink campaign, visit www.thinkbeforeyoupink.org.
2: We'll be right back with more Meetin 3 after a short break.
0: This episode of Meetin 3 is brought to you by the Michigan Cherry Committee, representing 75% of US-grown Montmorency tart cherry production. With over 100 articles published in health journals stating the vast health benefits of Michigan's superfruit, it's best to choose the cherry with more. US Montmorency tart cherries. They're available year-round, dried, frozen, canned, juice, and concentrate. Learn more about the wonderfully US-grown Montmorency tart cherry at choosecherries.com.
2: Welcome back to Meetin 3. Up next, Kevin Chang Barnum has a story about a shakeup at Trader
5: Joe's. I still remember the first time I saw the name Trader Ming's on a bottle of sauce I'd bought at Trader Joe's. As a person of Chinese heritage, it bothered me to see a Chinese name used as a marketing punchline. I didn't feel comfortable using the sauce, and it sat in my fridge for a long time. So in July, when a teenager in California started a petition against some of Trader Joe's branding decisions, I was paying attention.
8: The issue with the branding is that it's not cultural celebration or representation. These brands are shells of the cultures that they claim to represent because they rely only on characters and vague ideas and not anything of actual substance or legitimacy.
5: Briones Padel is the high school senior who started the petition. It currently has over 6,000 signatures and has been covered by outlets like the New York Times and the Washington Post. The grocery store has sold Chinese food under the name Trader Ming's, but also Thai and Japanese food. That's despite the fact that Trader Joe's has a separate label specific to Japanese food, Trader Joe-san. There are more in-store labels that Brionis wants to change, too.
8: Arabian Joe brands Middle Eastern foods, Trader Jose brands Mexican foods, uh, and Trader Giotto's is for Italian food.
5: Trader Joe's website says that the Pacific trading theme of the company was inspired by two sources. Both of those seem problematic. One is the Disneyland Jungle Cruise ride, where riders pass by various animals before seeing a stereotypical depiction of a native as a headhunter. The other is the book White Shadows in the South Seas. Brionis told me that the book also features stereotypical depictions of native peoples, and is actually critical of Pacific Traders for their role in exploiting native Polynesians.
8: The obvious thing here is that Trader is a part of the grocery chain's name. And it leaves the question, what in particular about this book inspired the company?
5: Briones says she's heard criticism from people with a range of political perspectives and taunts like, go back to worrying about the prom. Some of the most high-profile critics have been right-wing figures like Newt Gingrich and Megan McCain. But those aren't the most vicious attacks she's seen. I've,
8: I've gotten death threats and um, just a lot, like an immense amount of hate in a very short period of time. And for context previously to this, I didn't um, I didn't have any social media presence, I didn't really have any social media accounts. And so it's been kind of a shocker all around.
5: Brionis has even been the subject of conspiracy theories on Reddit.
8: I'm I'm 17. They think I'm either much older than I say that I am or that I am a puppet for a a team of (laughs) older adults. But I'm not actually like having these ideas or putting out these viewpoints on my own.
5: In response to the petition, Trader Joe's has released several statements that seem to contradict each other. At first, they said they had made a decision years ago to only use the name Trader Joe's moving forward. But in late July, a new statement came out. They directed me to that statement when I reached out to them for comment. It said, quote, We want to be clear. We disagree that any of these labels are racist. We do not make decisions based on petitions, end quote.
8: I'll be honest, I was completely floored. I was very surprised that a company especially in the current climate, would backtrack out of a commitment to address issues of racism.
5: According to a New York Times article by Allison Waller from August 1st, a spokesperson for Trader Joe's said that they would use only the Trader Joe's name for products introduced after 2017, but would continue to use other names for their older products. They also said they had discontinued Arabian Joe's and Armenian Joe's. Based on the backlash, Brionis may still face an uphill battle to change the other labels.
8: I try to take some of the negative feedback and stride because I know now that it's on people's radars and people are probably not going to look at Trader Joe's the same way.
5: Her online critics sometimes accuse her of being a part of cancel culture, but Brionis actually hopes to shop at Trader Joe's again one day, if they make some changes.
2: As many familiar food brands fall under public scrutiny from Goya to Aunt Jemima, what will take their place? And is the switch to buying from only socially responsible brands really that simple? To answer these questions, Dylan Hoyer talks to small business owners about their role in a shifting landscape in which consumers are more attuned than ever to a brand's iconography, ownership, and impact. And full disclosure about our first interviewee, Burlap and Barrel was co-founded by HRN host Ethan Frisch.
0: As branding has become increasingly politicized, every item you choose to stock your pantry with can feel like a vote for or against tenets like diverse ownership and transparent sourcing. Vote with your wallet is a familiar call to action, but it's soaring to new heights as COVID-19 reveals vulnerabilities and inequity in our food system. Social media platforms are inundated with suggestions for shopping locally, supporting independent restaurants, and buying from Black-owned businesses. I wanted to understand what has changed for the businesses out there that might stand to benefit, as more consumers come to equate what they buy with casting a ballot.
6: I think where you get your spices from, spices are often an afterthought, where you just kind of pick them up wherever you're picking up your groceries from. But with the pandemic, everybody started shopping online online. And so I think the pandemic has caused people to, when they've run out of paprika or cinnamon or bay leaves, they're starting to look online to say, wait, where should I replace this? And they start Googling and looking stuff up and trying to find out about spices. And so I think it's very easy to say, well, then I should know where my cinnamon comes from. And oh wait, cinnamon is a plant and it's actually a tree bark. And here's when it was harvested and here's what makes it so special. And here's who are the people that grew it. Ori
0: Zohar is the co-founder of Burlap & Barrel a public benefit corporation selling single-origin spices with a mission to build new international food supply chains that are equitable, transparent, and traceable. As people have come to rely on online shopping during the pandemic, Burlap & Barrel was presented with a unique chance to share their mission with consumers.
6: So I think that's actually one of the like secret superpowers of, of everyone shopping online and of e-commerce is the point that when people go to a grocery store, you basically have the like two inches by six inches of your label. But on e-commerce, you have unlimited shelf space. And so if you come to our site, you can read the stories of the farmers. You can see photos, watch videos. You can read about our mission. You can read our impact report.
0: I spoke to another business owner who is struggling with the challenge of communicating a complex story on a small label. Host of HRN series In the Sauce, Allison Kane is also the founder of Haven's Kitchen, which started as a cooking school in Manhattan and now sells homemade sauces in stores across the country.
1: It's very hard to reduce, a, you know, a cashew lemongrass sauce down to just saying Thai or Southeast Asian. You know, there's, it, there's a lot of sort of treading carefully, um, you know, that we're trying to do thoughtfully and, and being respectful of the cultures that gave us these flavor profiles in the first place, but also you can't write an essay on you know a five ounce pouch. That being said, we do know that it's a responsibility as a US company, as a white woman owned company, to just be very aware that we didn't create these sauces, that they come from regions around the world Um, that there are issues of identity and appropriation and imperialism in food full stop that we're inevitably going to be touching in some way.
0: Every time that Haven's Kitchen orders a new round of packaging, Allison reviews the label, considering what tweaks can be made to better connect with consumers. But now, as our country reckons with racial justice, Allison feels a renewed sense of urgency to
1: address these issues head on. Because I've had these issues sort of in the back of my mind, I've been a little bit head in the sand about them, if I'm being honest. Like, I think that what's happening with the white people I know is that we're kind of coming to this reckoning that it's not good enough to not be part of the problem, you really at this point have to step out of your comfort zone and work super hard to be part of the solution. And so I, you know, decided that instead of sort of not engaging in it or trying to kind of avoid, you know, pissing someone off, um, I was going to just try to do as much research on I, as I could on like, how to do it as well as possible.
0: Allison sought out input from food studies professors and business owners from New York and around the world about how her sauces could be a positive presence on store shelves. What she realized is that the story she has to tell extends beyond that five ounce pouch. Make
1: sure that you're crediting and amplifying the cultures that these sauces came from. And that means you know, paying homage to the places and not acting like Romesco sauce, for example, is just a roasted red pepper sauce, because it's more than that. Trying as best you can to directly compensate farmers from those places. So our Piquillo pepper farmers, um, on the romesco sauce, like making sure that we are getting money to them as directly as possible. Um, I think it comes down also to like the people that invest in your company, the retailers that sell your products, the service providers that we work with. Making sure that not only our internal team but our whole external team is diverse. Business practices like
0: these can make anyone feel good about enjoying a great-tasting product. lately, a brand's identity, from its mission to its ownership, has been framed as a reason in itself to buy from one company over another. Black-owned food businesses have suffered disproportionately during COVID-19, and there's been a call across the food industry and beyond to support Black-owned businesses. With this form of activism trending on social media, Andre Springer, the owner of Shaquanda's Hot Pepper Sauce, began seeing an increase in retail.
9: I saw a jump when there was a wave of Instagram accounts that had a lot of following and that were influencers were posting different Black companies, which I'm thankful to be included. And I saw a jump in my retail on my website, which uh, was kind of, it was like fun, but also a little daunting.
0: (laughs) Andre also recently started selling his hot sauces in Whole Foods and moved to a fulfillment center to meet the greater demand. It was during this transition period that the retail side of his business quickly expanded as well, leading orders to be delayed. As Andre hustled to keep up, he faced backlash from new consumers whose eagerness to support a Black-owned small business quickly dissipated.
9: A customer has every right to be upset if they didn't get something in the time which, you know, they were expecting their their goods. There was There were a few moments where... You know, some customers, and this was not just one, this is like a, like, a, like a bunch, would, you know, email me and it would go from email to, you know, in my DMs to like posting like negative things on my posts.
0: While Andre has a handle on shipping now, these complaints revealed a deeper issue than impatience. It exposed some unrealistic expectations being placed upon small business owners.
9: We're all trying. I think it's like a bit of humanity is sort of lost when it comes to consumerism, especially when it's, you know, when it lacks the human interaction when it's on the Internet. I just didn't really appreciate the negativity of or the expectation for a small business to fulfill, like, you know, a demand that was just too overwhelming. And also, like, I'm not Amazon.
0: As many consumers confront problematic branding at big companies, there are plenty of small businesses ready to step in and offer an alternative. Instagram campaigns and e-commerce have made it easier than ever to discover a diversity of socially responsible brands. But whether these initiatives are fleeting clickbait or part of a more meaningful shift in sales is not a matter that will be left up to food companies, but rather to the consumers who support them.
2: That's our show. Thanks for listening. Special thanks this week to Kevin Chang Barnum, Emily Kunkel, and Bryce Bayaki. Meet 3 is produced by Hannah Forden, Dylan Hoyer, Kat Johnson, Matt Patterson, and me, Katie Mosman-Wadler. Our audio engineer is Matt Patterson. Our theme song was composed by Breakmaster Cylinder. This program is supported in part by public funds from the New York City Department of Cultural Affairs in partnership with the City Council. Meet 3 is powered by Sybilcast. Meet and Three is a production of Heritage Radio Network, the world's pioneer food radio station. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org and follow us at heritage underscore radio. And please stay in touch. Whether you have a story idea or would just like to say hey, write us at ideas at meatin3.nyc. That's all spelled out.